name is Ananda Elise Reeves, your host today for Future Now Radio with my co-host Robert Schramm and we're special guests Amanda Smith, Matt Holton, Zachary Marlowe from the USA, the co-founders of the Moneyless Society. At Future Now Radio, we invite active visionaries that are in the process of creating a collaborative world radio platform to explore concepts and understandings around new systems of sustainability and post-scarcity. Future Now Radio is a free station bypassing the mainstream media by offering programs and inspiring original and regenerating perspectives to address world problems and offer progressive grassroots and meta-level solutions. So today we welcome our group today, co-founders of the Moneyless Society. We have Robert Schramm here that's going to be introducing people in their bios. Thank you, Ananda. Great to have you guys. Great to be here. Yes, thanks so much for inviting thanks, us Robert. along. Yeah. So Amanda Smith is an activist, an artist, the meme queen supreme, co-founder of the Moneyless Society NPO, and a volunteer for the Venus Project while residing in one of the most systematically oppressed regions today, the Appalachians. But more than any fancy titles, she is a working single mother raising two neurodivergent superkids, with a third one already excelling in an independent study at Barrier College. That's a wonderful bio, Amanda. That's... Yeah, who wrote that? I, I yeah. can't take credit. I had help in here, Marlo. <laughs> On Matt, Matt Holden, very short and firm, he's founder of the Moneyless Society website and co-host of the Moneyless Society podcast, soon to come out with a book under the same name. If I could add a little bit about Matt, he's a, a futurist and the most moderate radical in the world. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful addition. Thanks. Thanks, Zach. And Zachary Marlowe is a storyteller, a guerrilla filmmaker, a gonzo journalist, and cosmic vagabond sent back in time to create the future. <laughs> True story. True story. Thank goodness for him. Well, again, uh, guys, uh, welcome. It's exciting to uh, have you here and talk about a moneyless society. Now, on your website, it says society is collapsing before our eyes and there has never Good been story. a more... Yeah, and, uh, and there has never been a more vital or exciting opportunity to both come together for the sake of forestalling the end of human life as we know it, while also recreating life on Earth as we know it. So normally, uh, truly, guys, we use we come up with a big question during the interview. It's it's normally at the end, but I think we can open it with it right now because it so ties into what you guys are totally doing. So, and let's so let's jump in. Is that okay? Definitely. Yeah. yeah? Okay, yeah, absolutely. The the, yeah, the elephant in the room. So it's pretty safe to say that our current governance and economic systems are outdated, at the least, and that they are holding each other hostage. So what do we mean with that? Politics govern in favor of the economy and jobs, and the economy is dictating which kind of degenerative governance we apply. So the question is, how do you feel we most effectively, efficiently, and equitably distribute our abundant global resources so that everyone's needs are met without the consideration of financial or other means. And how can we live in balance with Earth? 
whoever feels the calling. That is a lot to unpack. Matt, you want to hit it? Sure. I'll go first, I suppose. So that's a, that's a great question. I think that kind of sums up what a lot of people want to uh, you know, know and explore as well. And, and we don't really have huge specific answer except for what we would probably term a resource-based economy. The term was coined by Jacques Fresco and the Venus Project. And it has a lot of similarities to say like socialism and communism, but a lot of the, t essentially what it's doing is it's building upon those, you know, communal ideas, but implementing more technology algorithms for resource management and distribution uh, as, as well as just a, sh a sharing cooperative mindset all around for society um, in general. A resource-based economy, you know, is absent of a, of a monetary system and, and that function is fulfilled by computer algorithms, uh, by technology, automation, you know, as well as just more open source uh, cooperative systems throughout the world as well as other things that too, it's, it's, it's difficult to sum it up in just one sentence, you know, because there's multiple aspects of how a society like that would function and interact. Uh, you know, you have localization and production of a lot of things. Uh, you have to focus on the sustainability uh, as well. Um, regenerative economy, regenerative agriculture, kind of a closed loop for a lot of things as far as production and recycling you know, upcycling, there, there's a lot of different ideas out there. And, you know, it's kind of not exactly a one size all fit solution. You know, these, these solutions are going to look different for different economies and different places regarding the resources they have available in different, uh, you know, geographic areas and whatnot, you know, the, the solutions for, you know, local sustainability are going to look different in Alaska uh, than they do in Hawaii or New York City, or, you know, lots of other places around the globe as well. But well, but essentially what we need to do is look for patterns of things that work and then try to duplicate those patterns across the globe as best as possible and start experimenting with new systems, new community structures, new sustainability, you know, things for energy, you know, food production, agriculture, and then, you know, just keep building upon that. And I believe, you know, try to start forming a new alternative essentially to what we have now, which is just straight capitalism across the board in most places, unless you want to go live in the woods or something. And even then you're likely not going to succeed with that for very long as, you know, recent, there's been a few recent news stories of even people who tried to do that and they end up getting, you know, uh, kicked out or their home. I think there's one 85 year old guy had got his home burned down or something because he wanted to live in the woods <laughs> not too long ago. So go figure. Anyway, so I'm, I digress. I'm going off on a tangent here. But in any case, I, I think the, the systems that we need aren't developed yet, but the technology is there. And we need to develop the systems outside the barriers of capitalism, outside the competitive structure, you know, the, the, the structure of basically forced scarcity that capitalism inherently forces business owners to partake in if they're going to survive in this economy. So we need to create other models that I think can somewhat operate within that, but then expand and grow and build upon that to where they start to become more self-sustaining, you know, and once we have pockets of, you know, these cities and communities and things like that, that 
are more geared towards self-sustainability, towards providing resources and goods that people need essentially for free, you know, then that's a model that we can start to base uh, more of this progress and development upon in the long term. And that's what we're seeking to do essentially also is start really creating these models. We talk about it a lot on this show, but, you know, essentially our mission and goal is to start creating those models soon. You know, we've got a few projects in the works where we're, we're going to start talking about those things uh, here shortly as they, you know, start to come to, you know, fruition, uh, maybe in the next few months, if not year or so. But, you know, some exciting stuff is, is going on on our end and, and uh, you know, not really enough to start, you know, talking a lot about yet because not a lot has happened yet. But we've definitely got some people and plans in the works and uh, things are coming along to start moving in that direction. And the more we talk to more people about it and the more we find that more people are interested in doing this and, uh, they you know, we've gotten a lot of uh, positive feedback on the work that we're doing regarding, you know, trying to reach out and build uh, these projects and communities and whatnot. So we're, we're very excited for the, the you know, projects that we have coming uh, in the future and things that we're going to be, uh, you know, exploring regarding all that sort of stuff, you know, in the, in the months and years to come. So anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll shut up now. Go ahead. <laughs> well, thank you very much for sharing that. Um, sure. You gave us a a very big overview about what uh, what it is that you're about, and I acknowledge you for you know stepping up in these in these times, and and even addressing the issue of of scarcity and, and capitalism and and the possibility of change. So, who and what is the Moneyless Society? You pretty much covered that, but what do you do? And and please share with us more about how you see yourself or your mission, and why is this project specifically important to our global well-being? Um. I'll go, I'll go ahead and, and take that one for a little bit too. And if you guys want to add anything after I'm done, feel free. Um, I originally started the Moneyless Society website back in like 2013, 14, something like that, just kind of as a resource. I had watched Peter Joseph's movie, uh, Zeitgeist um, Addendum, and uh, just fell, you know, in love with the idea of a resource-based economy and all this. But I, you know, is also kind of wondering, hey, you know, why why aren't people actively kind of forming and building, you know, communities and structures like the ones uh, that he talks about? Uh, you know, they got the Venus Project and the Zeitgeist Movement and all this. But there's other, you know, organizations that are kind of working towards these goals as well. And not a lot of them are well known, you know. And so I kind of wanted to just kind of provide a resource, essentially a website that, uh, could give people information about a lot of these other projects and, you know, various organizations and uh, initiatives that were kind of geared around that movement, um, as well as just kind of, you know, provide a, a blog and a, you know, a platform for an open discussion uh, regarding a lot of these things, you know, because I didn't really feel like there was anything out there like that at the time that was just kind of like this, you know, mostly all encompassing, all encompassing, you know, welcoming source for that sort of information that, you know, just kind of threw it all out there and, and kind of let people hash it out, you know, and so that's kind of, that's kind of the idea behind that, as well as the Facebook group that exists now, um, you know, the Facebook page, we're starting to get some traction on that, but there's a lot of good comments and discourse there. There's a lot of good discussions that go on there. And um, that's, that's kind of the idea behind it is, it is almost like a gateway into this realm of, you know, moneyless society, resource-based economy, all of that kind of what we want to act like a gateway and kind of like a resource essentially and 
it's, it's basically grown from there. The last couple of years, you know, we've started the podcast uh, as well as we've got a couple other projects, like we're looking into trying to start a regenerative farm uh, and then build upon those ideas as a couple other ideas as well. And so it's, it's essentially growing from there. We, you know, I've got a book in the works. Zach and I are going to be working on a movie soon as well. And it's just kind of growing and evolving. And it's, it's exciting to start to see, you know, it really kind of take on a life of its own, essentially. It's, I, I feel like the last year or two, it's really kind of morphed into something much more than just a little website. You know, it's, we've got, you know, a lot of help and a lot of uh, effort and projects going on now. So, so that's exciting to see. And I, and I'm really enjoying what's happening with it. And I uh, can't thank, you know, especially Amanda and Zach enough for all the help that they've, you know, done and contributed to everything, because there's no way I could have done all of this alone. It's just been a ton of work. And uh, so both, both of them have been a huge help and I, I can't thank, uh, you know, both of them enough for, for all the efforts and contributions that they've made because it <laughs> wouldn't be anywhere close to where it is right now without them. That's for sure. Thank anyway, you for sharing that. I'd like to hear a little yeah. bit from uh, Amanda on, on the topic of, uh, you know, how you experience your organization and, and what your, your role is on that. So your question is how I experience, what is my experience with the organization or, or what is it to me? Yeah, what is your experience with the organization and what is your role in the, in the organization? And, and maybe even talk to us about what is your intention? Where do you expect to take it? Okay, again, a, a lot to unpack, but I'm happy to try. Um, so my experience with the organization began basically with me pouring myself out and uh, what I call an open journal on social media um, I'm always ranting and raving about the system and its shortcomings and how people suffer as a, as a consequence. And Matt just happened to come across one of my posts that had been shared by someone else, by a mutual friend. And he's like, hey, you, you might be interested in this. You want to join this group? And from there, it quickly evolved into me being a part of making it all come to fruition. And so, and so basically it's been an evolution of, hey, you might be interested in this group to now I help him juggle the uh, several social media pages, our website, the YouTube, the Patreon, the emails, the volunteer management, the business planning, the, 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 the farm planning, just all the arms. And uh, I can say it's been the best year of my life. Uh, I have never amazing. felt so liberated, so empowered, so ready to take on the world, so uh, validated. It's like, as they say, I've found my tribe uh, because especially the demographics I come from, um, being in the Appalachians, it's one of the most conservative places, one of the most oppressed and impoverished places in the country. And people, despite all of that in this area, they they don't see the light. They don't see that there's other options. And in fact, they they tend to to think that everything's the way it should be and that they're happy with the way things are. And, and I just see myself taking it to a place where I can become a source of empowerment and liberation as, as Moneyless Society has been for me, um, ultimately, hopefully assisting in, in the necessary paradigm shift to carry the civilization forward into the post-scarcity transition, which um, you all were talking about earlier um, in the first answer that Matt provided. He mentioned that uh, resource-based economy would be one of the most, best ways to sum it all up. And, and we've been working on a different term that I think uh, is very applicable, at least in the transition phase, and that is instead of UBI, uh, UB 
GS, uh, that'd be Universal Basic Goods and Services. Um, so, so just to throw that out there too, um, and it's basically where you cut out the middleman, which is the money, of course, and you start distributing resources equitably as needed versus continuing to print money and spread it around, quote unquote, equally, just so it can pay back into the system and uphold the status quo. Wow. Well, you found the right place at the right time just for you and, and, and all of your talent and skills. We're so happy to have you here. And the fact that you're a, you know, a leader in the, uh, in the Millennium Society is, gives me a lot of confidence. So thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah, I wanted to ask uh, Zach if he feels like jumping in on the topic. Uh, which, which topic? Well, you know, being active uh, within the Moneyless Society and, and how is this, is this really the best thing that ever happened to you also? Or can, can you expand a little bit on it? Uh, I mean, I think it's a pretty natural uh, trajectory. It's, it's one more natural step in coming to an understanding that the problems in our world are manufactured based around this market system, this monetary system, that uh, things don't have to be this way. Very simply, things don't have to be this way. Uh, we overcomplicate things tremendously. And so much of the suffering in the world uh, is all sourced universally to this system, to the way that we have adapted to um, meet the very unnatural conditions of hierarchy and competition and scarcity that um, we have, for whatever reasons through our history, been thrust into or we have evolved into uh, or de and, and in many ways devolved. I mean, I, I um, would consider myself uh, a seeker of, of truth, really. Um, I've, I've really sought to understand why the world is the way it is and to understand the suffering that I can't ignore around me that I've never been able to ignore that so many people seem invisible, you know, seem uh, un unaware of totally that it just seems invisible to them when my whole life, it seems like things just don't make sense. They're just upside down and topsy turvy and ridiculous and, and uh, Susie and they're just, they're just very silly and absurd and, and inhuman to me. And uh, that's always been evident. And the more that I peel away at that, the more that I, uh, instead of looking away from the pain and the hardship in the world, go toward it, because that's where the answers lie, the more that it has brought me to see that it is an interconnected systemic problem, that the racism in the world, the hunger, the sickness, the homelessness, the environmental destruction, it's all unified underneath this singular driver of this infinite sort of quantified separateness and individual individualization that this uh, system uh, incentivizes and engenders in all of us. Um, so yeah, this, this, I, I, I didn't really come to this uh, in, in a way that a lot of other people did, like through um, Zeitgeist or through the Venus Project. I, I feel like I kind of just, I, I wouldn't say I naturally came to the conclusions that money is a lie and that, you know, we need to, you know, essentially create an entirely new technical infrastructure and upgrade our system in that way. It was just, it was like a gradual unveiling and a gradual, um, it, it was meeting people along the way that helped guide me there to that place to realize that this is why the world is the way that it is because of this monetary system. And then that aha moment of, wow, this is an abstraction. This is something that doesn't really exist. 
you know, everything is, everything is belief. Everything is language. If we really get down to it, you know, we don't really live in a logical, rational uh, framework, a lot of us. And our world is constructed out of language, out of, you know, belief systems. And so I, I kind of see myself in this organization as, um, <laughs> I don't want to say a propagandist, but as someone who understands that reality is constructed out of belief and uh, that my role in this is to uh, foster that and to uh, help people to believe things that they don't see yet or just to help people believe in the narrative of, of the of the world that is uh, closer to reality because we we inhabit this narrative that is false we we are uh, living a story all of us and the story is the reality of money and the predominance of markets and the the totality of capitalism and the inescapableness of all of this and you know like it's not just the best way it's the only way that people really have have think that be, and they think that that's it's it's a natural position but it's just not it's not natural it's in, entirely manufactured and enforced violently that it's the violence inherent in the system is is so oppressive and is so uh combative and competitive of any attempt to, to move away from that and i think Matt mentioned, you know, communism and socialism and, you know, anarchism is another sort of school of, uh, of an alternative, you know, and, and there were many alternatives before capitalism. There were, there were many different ways of living, you know, indigenous peoples of many nations and, and, you know, geographical localities had many different, uh, ways of, of organizing themselves, but none of them involved, you know, the sort of market system that predominates the earth today that is, is put forth as the only system. So for me, it's about, changing our story and changing our identification with this system, with this way of life that seems so uh, impossible to mount when really it's, it's a, it's the frailest hurdle of all. It's, it's literally not a non-existent identification and attachment to this way of uh, organizing things and, and distributing resources that just doesn't distribute them. You know, that it, it, it's a glitch in our system. It's a glitch in our operating system that if we can just, rewrite that central line of code right way back at the source of the monetary system, you know, not just like, oh, we need to stop being greedy or, oh, we need to be more moral or we need to be more equitable. Like all of these sort of spot fixes and reformist uh, ways of understanding things or, you know, thinking we can get a politician in there and change things and move the needle that way or thinking that, you know, certain technological advances are going to bring us to this, you know, position where things get, get massively better, where, None of these, or even thinking like as an activist, we can shout and raise our voices and that the system will listen, but it just won't because we don't, we're not understanding things from a systemic and interconnected uh, position when in reality, we are all connected. We are all not, we are not confined to our own self. We are interconnected. We are a social organism and we wouldn't have, we wouldn't, we would not have survived this long if we had lived in a competitive mentality, we would have killed ourselves or we would have just died. We would not have made it through real scarcity. And now we're in real abundance and we just can't catch up. We just can't get that. We can't get it into our heads that the scarcity in, that we perceive in the world is not really there. And it's like, you know, in so many uh, circles, so many people pushing for change, they just don't really grasp that. And a lot of like, even people that would call themselves revolutionaries, they don't understand the tools that we have at our disposal to meet our needs, to transcend all of these ancient paradigms that we are so stuck in. And it, it's very liberating to find people like Matt, like Amanda, like that group, which I just discovered, you know, a random 
person that I met at a rainbow gathering years ago posted a meme from Moneyless Society that Amanda probably posted. And I, I just, I clicked on it and I thought Moneyless Society, okay, yeah, I'm with that. It sounds cool. I'm down with that. And I just started ranting, you know, <laughs> and then Matt reached out and, you know, you find your people, you find people that, that uh, are on that same page and are, you know, even more advanced, like people like Peter Joseph, I just finished his book, The New Human Rights Movement last night. And it, it was just like, I just, I haven't read a book that quickly, you know, with that, with, with more like stars in my eyes than when I was a kid reading science fiction and just realizing like, this isn't science fiction, this isn't futurism, this is nowism, that we could be living in an absurdly wonderful world, you know, if we, if we fix the glitch. So that's my role is to help us change the story and to help really, I think a lot of people um, aren't, aren't really, they don't really get stoked about words like open access economy or resource-based economy. It doesn't have the, the zeal and the poetry and the magic in it that it should. You know, when, when I heard these terms and discovered them, to me, it was, it was illuminating and it was like this wonderful new world that was beneath the surface of the old or was that, that was just hovering above this one, just, just out of reach. And I think in translating that to people um, to, to make them believe that, you know, the world uh, doesn't have to end and we don't have to transition. We don't have to go backward to some rudimentary agrarian sort of mindset. You know, we can live an amazingly advanced, technologically uh, sophisticated, socially sophisticated life. And I, I just, I'm, I'm all, I'm, I'm all aboard. You know, I can't really go back. I can't really go back to thinking that uh, there's, there's that any of the other foolish mechanisms of change or worldviews or social systems or belief systems or any of these things. I just can't really go back to that. I, I think that when you see that we have the tools to like essentially lessen the amount of work we have to do drastically, we can almost eliminate work as we know it. There's a, there's a lot of great work to be done. There's an adventure ahead of us. You know, there is a, an enormous task of trans of transitioning our world of bringing our, hardware and our software, you know, into alignment. And, you know, basically just, uh, there's a, a William Gibson quote where he says that the future is now, it's just not evenly distributed. And that's kind of our task is to distribute the wealth of the world, not just the money, not just, oh, we just need to give these people more money because that's just, it's an abstraction and it's just more nonsense. We need to distribute the real resources of the world, the real wealth, the real technological fruits and the boons, the boons of, of a thousand human endeavors of innovation and discovery and, you know, the triumph of uh, invention that has brought so many great things to us that for, for, for the, the, the simple hangup of this monetary system, everyone doesn't have access to. So that's, that's my, that's my quest is to, to, to make it so that all this is known to people and that people can be free. I live a very free life. You know, I, I ran away from home, you know, ran away from the systems that made me want to destroy myself because I couldn't get them out of my own head. And I've been through many shamanic journeys <laughs> to uh, untangle that for myself and to find freedom, the freedom to be and the freedom to be social, to really live a social nature. And I, I want to share that. And it's not, it's, it, it isn't just the, the technology. It is, you know, the, just being human, you know, we have forgotten how to be human and, and that's something that we need to work together to remedy. So I just wanted to add a couple of things on what you said too. Um, you touched on a couple good things also. I think, you know, just, just being a source of information for people as well, because right now there's so much disinformation out there 
it's it's kind of difficult to combat it. I mean, there's been so much uh, you know noise essentially from the uh, the far right, the the you know far conservative establishment, and so much disinformation uh, that you know I think we need as many people out there as possible that are trying to disseminate you know, the truth, essentially, what the, the real ideals behind these movements, um, you know, what it actually is possible, you know, with with technology and with, uh, you know, the economy and with social structures and, and things like that. Because right now, a lot of people don't, you know, they don't know about the possibilities. They don't know the, uh, you know, the systems and structures that we can make. And, and a lot of the time, there's, there's been so much disinformation, especially about communism and socialism, that anytime you start talking about, especially in the United States, I mean, I'm not, I, I think it's probably lesser, to, to a lesser extent in Europe and other parts of the world. Uh, but in the United States, there's so much of a stigma against communism and socialism that anytime you get remotely close to the subject, you know, even in moneyless society, a lot of people just automatically assume that we're implying communism. And, you know, they would kind of be partially correct. But, you know, it's nowhere close to the definition of communism that they are thinking of. And that's, that's kind of where the, a, a huge disconnect happens a lot of the time. Because in reality, uh, you know, I, I've read a decent amount of Marx, I'm not, you know, a Marxist scholar or anything like that, you know, but I've read, you know, a decent share of it. And I kind of have a basic understanding of some of it. And a lot of what he talks about is very compatible with, you know, the Venus project and the zeitgeist movement and their ideals and the things they'd seek to do in the long term. Uh, you know, I, I would argue that especially a lot of people from TVP argue that there's more of a modern aspect to it with science and technology and AI and things like that. And that would be the main distinction that a lot of people make between the two. It's kind of like, you know, it retrofits. It, it doesn't really retrofit properly. There's more there's more involved with the idea of, you know, the Venus Project, essentially. Um, but, you know, there's also enough that's similar about it, you know, to where Marx you know, kind of postulates that technology would be a large part of, you know, any kind of future idealized communist society. Uh, but the main problem a lot of people think is they just automatically associate communism with authoritarianism or fascism. And these two have been so linked, especially from, you know, I guess, you know, the Red Scare, whatever, McCarthyism, 50s and all this stuff with, uh, you know, uh, Russia and the USSR and everything and all this, you know, history of battling communism in the past, essentially, it's, it's kind of still spilling over from that. And there's a lot of false propaganda and a lot of false rhetoric out there. Uh, that still says all communism just eventually leads to authoritarianism. And it's kind of a silly idea. It's like, it's an idea of essentially you can't share things and be free to make your own decisions at the same time, which is kind of silly. It's called cooperation, you know, and people do it every day, <laughs> you know, and, and, and people do that in their homes and their workplaces and their communities. And we, we are free to make our own decisions on a daily basis. And like my father, for instance, I talk to him about this on a regular basis. I feel like I'm beating my head against the wall a lot of time because my father is a Trump supporter and also a climate science denier. And we go back and forth through text messages and emails and things like that on a regular basis. So, but the other day, my, my dad does, you know, he doesn't fathom the, the thought that communism communism could actually be, uh, you know, 
for freedom, loving people, you know, and you can free to make your own decisions, essentially, like, he, I don't know if you'd ever heard of the what's called the political compass. I don't know if you guys have heard of that or seen that or not. It's a it's a graph, you know, left and right. And then from top to bottom goes from authoritarian to libertarian, right? So left, bottom left would be leftism. Uh, but also libertarian, like liber freedom, freedom leftism, essentially, the top of the graph would be authoritarian. So top, top left would be authoritarian communism, right, like Stalin and things like that. But bottom left, you're talking about people like Noam Chomsky, you know, and things like that, these, uh, you know, Murray Bookchin, uh, they, they all fall in the bottom left part of this quadrant that is libertarian. Uh, more freedom, essentially based uh, forms of socialism and communism and, th and things like that. So a lot of kind of what I seek to do in the long term is, is really kind of clear up some of these misunderstandings, essentially about what types of communism there are, you know, what types of socialism there are, because it's not a one size fits all term. It depends on who you're talking to and what you're talking about. There's been about as many different types of socialism of, you know, and communism of, of, as there have been independent governments who have tried to practice it in the past, almost. You know, I mean, everybody has their own little twist on it and does it their own way. And essentially, a lot of, you know, a lot of it has been thwarted by capitalism and capitalists on purpose and, and governments who support capitalism. And essentially in the past, also, there hasn't really been enough technology to do it properly. I think the closest that they probably came was the uh, project in, was it Chile? The um, Cybersyn. Yeah, Cybersyn project. That's it. And they were about to do it, right? And then, and then they, the government got overthrown. I forget the leader there he, who ended up, you know, uh, shooting himself uh, before he was captured by, uh, I think, Pinochet's troops. Or So, you know, maybe, maybe he did. I don't know exactly. But, you know, it's sad that things like that don't get to come to fruition in this world and they get shut down so much but i think that we are entering a stage of humanity where there is enough media out there where we can talk like this on our own now we don't have to go through giant outlets the the dissemination of information has become such now that we have the power to give the to give a lot of people this information and that is our goal that is the difference between now one of the main differences essentially that we can get this information out there to a large amount of people and help them understand why this hasn't worked in the past why it can work now what's different essentially and, and, and clear up some of a lot of these uh, misunderstandings and a lot of the false propaganda that's out there. So that's uh, a lot of our intention, especially with the website, with the podcast, and then to start to provide a, a realistic example of what we can do as well in the long term. So all these, all these things kind of fit together, you know, and these are all long-term projects that I'm sure I'll be working on for the rest of my life, you know, but, you know, <laughs> we'll see where it goes. <laughs> So that's just that's, to, that's, that's yeah, about to, the basis of it. To, pick, to piggyback off that real quick, I just want to say, kind of to clarify that uh, something I said a minute ago that the the world we live in is we live in we live in language, you know, that every every basically every word uh, that we say to somebody else, they interpret it in their through their lens, you know, through their uh, frame frame of reference. So for the last hundred years, the word communism, socialism, anarchism, any of these terms that you could equate with an alternative to capitalism have been absolutely supercharged with the most violent fear and and uh terror and and uh, associations of destruction and nuclear war and bread lines and and just you know they've been supercharged with fear and uh, made into weapons uh against anybody you know even uh, harry truman who was a 
fucking fascist by any standard, uh, said that socialism is a scare word that uh, they will use to, to basically uh, fear monger anything that benefits everybody. So it's like this is a it is in very many, very many ways still the same sort of anti-capitalist struggle uh, that has been going on since Marx and since before Marx, you know, for collectivist sort of societies. Uh, for alternative ways of self-organization, of self-governments. You know, America has this narrative that it's the birth of self-government when it's like, you know, the peoples that lived here before the Americas, like the Iroquois Confederacy, actually governed themselves. They actually had a system of self-government that worked a lot better than the one that we have today. And, you know, we are where we are. We, history has progressed in this, this, what, you know, this, this wheel of reactions. You know, that's, that's Marx's term would be the dialectic, you know, the action, the reaction, the synthesis. And, and we've just blindly been going through this wheel for so long. And I think in a lot of ways, I find a lot of inspiration in the movements of the past and in reading about how the Soviet Union was brought about and, and you know, the anarchist struggles like the, the um, Spanish Civil War where they broke away and um, the, all the nations of the world, including Stalin, were against them. And they broke away. They had no money. Everything was free. Uh, everybody got up in the morning and they went to work and society functioned and there was no authority. There was no control and it worked until they smashed it, you know, and these things can work if they don't smash them. And I, I think that's, that's very important to marry things to like this historical struggle to know that this, there's a precedent for this and it has been tried and it has worked. But also, I think it's also very important to, to realize that we, you know, Karl Marx was writing over what, 150 years ago, something like that. And, you know, he couldn't fathom the Internet of Things. He couldn't fathom, uh, you know, there's, like there's this Mises uh, uh, computation problem or, or um, the problem of prices or something like that. That was one of the big economic arguments against uh, controlled command economies or planned economies. And it was basically saying that the market is the only way to um, and the price me mechanism is the only way to uh, transmit enough feedback into an economy for people for a supply and demand to be mediated. Well, it's like we live in the internet era, you know? Your cell phone will hear you. Uh, it, it, it'll, I, I read this the other day. I want, to, I want a quick little tangent here that uh, this person was saying he's at his mom's house and he, and he, he, he uh, sees on his phone an ad for her toothpaste. And he knows he didn't say the name of the toothpaste. So these uh, phones, they actually know the people that are around you. And they know their buying habits and they basically ping you off of the people around you in your network. So it shows him the ads for her toothpaste in the hope that he will say it and then she will say, oh, I will buy that toothpaste. So there's so much feedback going on right now. And that's one of the central sort of uh, components of a transition stage is in going towards this, this, uh, this system that feeds back infinitely into itself. You know, that, that we, we uh, don't live in this really simplistic, like I'm going to have, I'm going to buy, you know, 10 yams and you get this, you know, we don't, we're not in a grocery store in 1950. We're living in extremely technically sophisticated uh, times that we don't need money. And, we, you know, the social science behind it shows again and again and again, in so many different ways that money is bad for us, that it, it makes, it's bad for innovation. It's bad for motivation in a long sustained way. It takes a task that would somebody would enjoy and it turns it into a task, a chore, you know, that we don't need to do these things. There's, there's not, I think at this, there's a great term. Uh, and I think Jacques Fresco would say this a lot that you don't come to a conclusion just out of, as you have your opinion, you arrive at a conclusion. And I think if we follow science and if we really question ourselves and our, our worldview through sustainability, through public health, and just through what 
makes intuitive sense. What is human? We will, we will come to this conclusion that we don't need to live this way and we shouldn't. We shouldn't continue. We shouldn't labor into these pretensions anymore and move forward. That's it, to move forward, to create something truly new, something really that's never been done before because we can and we must. Yeah, fantastic. Amanda, I see that you're... Yeah, can you tell I'm chomping at the bit? Um, I, I could really only just echo the both of them at this point, though, because they all covered uh, and traversed such... Um, such a myriad of, of of great points but starting with with marlo a moment ago he mentioned how the transition will require us to build well he didn't say it in these words but it will essentially require us to build out of the system that we're in and he mentioned automation and i find that one of the the biggest logical fallacies in this system is that we've been indoctrinated to believe that automation will not only replace our jobs but in, but inherently cause us to be quote unquote lazy when that can be disproven through um, a long time research, such as Maslow's hierarchy of motivation, once our basic needs are being met, we'll be motivated to do things that are purposeful. And if we all participate in this transitionary stage of coming out of this system into one that will actually support us and the earth, we will be freed up, which as I've said in earlier podcasts, I think uh, with uh, Jay Sable and One Community Global's podcast, humans are the largest resource. And that's why we are commodified by corporations and the system. And, and if we can break free of that, then we can finally build the system that will support us and the earth. Oh, and automation little, is, is the key to that. Quick automation. little tidbit to speak to the, the regressiveness, uh, specifically of like rural people and rural Americans. I saw this Facebook post uh, just before this, this uh, call started that this, this guy I met, um, Years ago, he posted this thing that said, never use, he's like a conservative guy. He actually helped me out of a jam years ago, real salt of the earth guy. My van broke down and he like helped me patch my tire and let me like park outside his house for a whole week. It was, it was a really nice guy, but he's very conservative, very, you know, almost medieval in his worldview, which is the American sort of conservative worldview that he said, never use a, a self-checkout because it's putting people out of a job. It's, it's taking somebody, it's taking away an opportunity that somebody could have. And I just want to say, like, you know, like we shouldn't, why would, why would, it's just so backwards to me that we have this attitude that somebody needs to stand at a cash register and do what a machine can do so easily to just so that they can make enough money so they can keep buying shit to keep this cyclical consumption going. It's just so alien to me. You know, you know, it's funny. I have something to add on that too. the local. I'm not going to name the, I'm not going to name names, but the, the local supermarket here, they refuse to get little checkout stands you know that i mean the automated checkout they refuse to put them in because they don't want to put their employees out of a job but guess what their lines are longer than any other grocery store in town and you know what i won't shop there anymore because i don't want to stand in line for half an hour waiting to get my groceries i refuse to shop there and and here's the the hilarious part but also tragic and and um feeding into that mindset that we're not going to work for free for these corporations you're still working for them. Everyone's, by, by not allowing automation to take its place in our evolution, you're still working for these, you're still pawns, you're still slaves to the wage system by not allowing self-checkout line. Uh, you're like, oh, okay, I'm not gonna, you've got people you can pay minimum wage to ring up my groceries. No, please let it happen. You're setting up yourself. You're setting, you're feeding back into the system, as uh, Marlo was mentioning. And on that note, another tragic aspect, we keep feeding this cycle. 
And, and all we have to do to break it is just realize and accept that's the biggest step is to accept that we've been indoctrinated. We have Stockholm syndrome collectively <laughs> as a society. Uh, and, and we really believe somehow, ironically, that we can't self-govern. However, among our species, there are people who are capable of governing us. Wow. Well, um, <laughs> good stuff. Absolutely thrilling for me to just sit and listen to this. I'm, I've been very much involved with Moneyless Society myself, and that's how Future Now Radio actually got started because um, we found that there were a whole nest of people out there interested in resource based economy and alternative ways of thinking of money. And, and um, so you're, you're hitting a lot of chords that I'm, I'm completely passionate about. I'm completely impressed with the brilliance that we have here in this group and, um, and uh, the, the uh, devotion and dedication you have to creating this change and standing for that. I, uh, I did want to uh, quote one little part of your website. It talked about that you are ready to be the butt of jokes with all of the, um, you know, conservatism people that are uh, not into that, you know, that are cr critical. And uh, I just want to acknowledge you for that, that you're willing to do whatever it takes to create this, this change in this movement. We're going to be wrapping up the show here really pretty quick. And I, I do want to thank each and every one of you for being here and speaking your passion, speaking your voice. I'm sure, absolutely confident that it's going to uh, affect a lot of people and rattle some cages and all those kinds of things. Uh, I would like to know, though, um, how if people were interested in finding out more or being more involved, how would they do that? You want to take that one, Amanda? Sure. So if you are interested in collaborating or volunteering with the Moneyless Society Project, you can email us at contact at moneylesssociety.com. That is three S's, moneyless and then society.com. And uh, basically, we'll just ask you a few questions, just like a screening that you would get on any other volunteer website. And, and we'll see where, um, where you feel you belong and where we, we feel you would be uh, best served and, and served best and, and hopefully I'll work toward the goalposts together. Um, we have, as Matt and I have mentioned, umpteen projects going. And in order for any of them to come to life, we need people from all walks of life, uh, from all levels of understanding. Even if you think you couldn't possibly contribute anything, I bet you can. Because as Marlo also is always reminding us, we are interdependent species, which means that inherently, innately, like inborn, we benefit each other in some way. And so, yeah, just reach out to us if you'd like to be involved, because we'd love to have you. Because as I'm always saying, thank you for being here. Together, we can get there. Oh, thank you so much, Robert. Have you got anything else to add before we do the closing? Well, I... I'm really enjoying the conversation and like so many uh, great conversations, we could do this for maybe three, four hours, <laughs> uh, but our format is about 45, 60 minutes. So I have to apologize for that. Sorry, guys. Hopefully but, there'll be uh, another discussion in the near future. Yeah, this yes. is great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us on. Really appreciate it. It's been, it's been a wonderful conversation. I was just going to add too on what on what Amanda was saying. If you want to check out our podcast as well, that's the Moneyless Society podcast too. Um, we've got our Facebook group, which is the Moneyless Society Facebook group, uh, as well as the Moneyless Society main page. We've I think we're currently sitting around like sixty thousand followers on that, uh, but it's you know starting to uh, get some decent traction. So we'll see how that goes in the coming uh, months and years. 
what else is there, Amanda? Any anything else that I, the we're on Instagram, most of the, uh, the Twitter? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're on most of the uh, most of the other platforms too. Instagram, Twitter. So if you want to follow, did you mention Patreon? Those, Patreon, yes. Please check out our Patreon as well. You know, we're trying to uh, eventually raise some money for some of these projects. Also, I know it's kind of ironic. People say, "Well, you're moneyless society," but you know, it is going to take money and resources to create a lot of the things that we want to do in the long term. And there's probably not going to be much of a way around that. And honestly, the more money and resources we could get a hold of, the more uh, we'll be able to build these things. The faster we'll be able to build them, the quicker the transition to these sorts of systems will be. Uh, so. That's about I mean, it's, that. it's like it's like if we're trying to create little closed loop systems, every dollar that comes to us isn't going to, uh, in some way, turn into a bullet that kills a child, or you know, uh, some point. fast food that also kills a child. Or you know, it's like <laughs> we want to we want to take that, that we want to take resources out of this system and then basically throw them into a closed loop system that we we create where you know one dollar is going to you know circulate through there for for much longer we want to create a more efficient system and you, you know can, to more efficiently utilize all of our resources is kind of the idea if That's you can envision of. like a bridge like like the system that we're in if you can just envision like a, a circle or a globe and, and envision a bridge being built step by step out of that circle to a an, a different one a bigger better one uh, and then, and so once we get that out of system solution built and get it sustainable, then people can cross that bridge and that will feed that loop and that will keep that system going while the old dies off. That that's, that's probably not a great, greatest way nice. to describe it. But... I like that. I actually like that. I think that's really cool uh, way of visualizing it. That's awesome. I, I was actually going to say, basically talk about the same thing is that I just listened to this really excellent uh, talk uh, by Jeremy Rifkin about the third industrial revolution. And it's like, he's so close to talking about this kind of world of like, of like what he, what he calls automated markets and, you know, an access economy an economy of sharing shifting from an individualistic to a biosphere consciousness. Uh, but there's this sort of underlying assumption within that, that capitalism is going to bring us there and that our systems, which are basically predicated on maintaining this extreme inefficiency they're based, they're founded on scarcity and inefficiency in the maintainment of those things that, that these that this system will not bring us there. It will not bring us out of itself. And, you know, we're going to have to create that bridge to get there. We're going to have to create that. And that bridge is a bridge of ideas, is a bridge of our thoughts from the, you know, connecting the, the movements of the past to the movement of the future. And, and it's, it's creating active action, creating activity and awareness, opening people up to uh, the possibilities that exist today and, and, you know, changing people's minds. And it, it's going to take all of us really getting, getting be, our, our story has to be more convincing than the story that there is today. And that, and to, to do that, you can't, you can't convince somebody of something that they've never seen before. You know, the metaphor of flight all, always comes up that nobody, you know, nobody thought that the Wright brothers were going to make a flying machine. They were like, that's impossible. That's crazy. That's stupid. And then it happened. And there's no more argument against it. Once you see a thing of a human being flying through the air, you can't say that can't happen. You know, you can't say that won't work. So we, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create that step. So join us, you know, uh, get involved. And like Amanda was saying, everyone can do something, you know, and, and I, I, what I've learned really as an activist myself, as a, a, on a dropout, as somebody who's very self-taught, self-educated, human beings can learn pretty much anything, but we learn by doing. 
We learn by throwing ourselves into something. We don't absorb a ton of information and then we do something. We learn, we do something and then we learn and we grow to our, our understanding on top of that. So if anybody feels out of place hearing this or they feel like this is out of their step or there's something they can't understand, it's not. Anybody can understand this as long as you acculture yourself to it and surround yourself with other people to be social, to ask other people, to not be stuck in your own understanding and to just reach out and ask questions. Well, you guys have created a great platform to even think of what the questions might be. This has been really an awesome time. I do appreciate all, all of you being here today. Uh, we're going to be closing out the interview here. And uh, Sorry, guys, but thanks for the platform. Um, I just want to say to all the listeners today, um, I'd like to present you with a challenge. Uh, as, as we often mention throughout our podcast, and as I did in this one, a paradigm shift is essentially what is needed in order for us to wrap our heads around our, our options, uh, individually and collectively. Um, and again, with the indoctrination, the propaganda, and all those buzzwords uh, that have affected us from the day we were born is, what is, is what's led us to this day in breaking out of our, of our hard shells and realizing, hey, we, we have choices to make. But bigger than that, what I want you to accept is that you have responsibility. I would like for everyone listening today to take a moment to explore the concept of responsibility. You have one to yourself, to the world, to the present, to the future. And beyond that, you have a responsibility to take the time and try to understand what's going on. Our um, dear comrade uh, who we look up to and try to share his content quite often, Peter Joseph, just posted yesterday something along the lines of, if you're trying to escape the world just so you can quote unquote live your life, you're not only part of the problem, you're a walking insult. Now, I'm sorry to be that guy, but we have reached a time, a point in time where you have to make a choice. You have to accept the fact that you have a responsibility and then look into why that scares you or why that makes you mad or, or what about it doesn't settle with you. Because once you get over that hump, then, you'll, then your eyes will be open and you'll be able to see all the possibilities and the choices and the power that you have as an individual, let alone, let alone collectively with other people that, that are aligned with you. I mean, what's more, what's more uncomfortable, uh, being aware of a mass extinction event that's going to kill half of the life on earth in the next hundred years or a mass extinction event happening that kills all the life on earth in the last, next hundred years. If we don't take action, it's a pretty, it's pretty simple. It's pretty easy. And at first it may seem daunting to expose yourself to this information, but once you start to see that every point uh, within it, every, every point of chaos and decay and destruction, every point of failure within this system it's like we're you know like crash test dummies you know they're, they're testing points of failure in an automobile and every one of those brings you closer to the to the more efficient way to, to get you down the road so that's what we're trying to do here so at, at a certain point there's a plateau where it's like the depression the anger the stress the frustration it just really looking at the world turns into this powerful motivation this this supreme fuel to get you to something better and then you realize that that the, there's more solutions than there are there are problems because as soon as we when we solve all these problems of scarcity all of this of this antiquated system we will be liberated in our consciousness to realize that you know there were limitations we didn't even realize because we were so busy focusing on the ones that were obvious and then we'll, we will do what we do as human beings and get together work together and solve those problems yeah i one of the uh one of the uh speakers 
spoke up one time. I forget exactly who it was, but she said it was a female. And she said, you know, what's really going on in the world is invisible. She said, we're, we're not seeing it in the main media. No, you know, it's not, it, it's not visible in the way that the normal average, I would say American, I don't know for the rest of the world, sees things is through uh, their filters of television. And uh, what she said was that it's invisible. And I think about all the work that you are doing in all the places that you are, you're in every single nook and cranny you could be in as far as exposure <laughs> goes. And, and we're getting to that, uh, that stage of, um, you know, coming out of obscurity where we're really actually no longer being visible or invisible, I mean. And right. uh, it's a great feeling, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it's, it's true. Well, I, I'm encouraged. Um, I'm, I'm going to be spending a lot more time on your website and digging around and figure out how I can get more active and that kind of thing. So thanks. Uh, yeah, we're actually yeah, trying to great. get a little bit more content on it, too. We were talking about talking to another guy about that recently, just to try to syndicate some content from other sources and whatnot. Um, that's kind of what like we were trying to do that. You've just been so busy with everything. It's impossible to do everything all at once, you know. Um, but that's kind of one of our goals is to get, syndicate a bunch of content from other organizations and kind of have that be like a one-stop shop for a lot of, uh, you know, the uh, information regarding, you know, all of this stuff. Kind of like a non-biased <laughs> hub of resources. Yeah, like it doesn't much, matter if you're coming much. from TVP or TZM or mm -hmm. just a, a strictly a RBE or even a communism or socialism or leftist or libertarian. It doesn't matter. Right. Like we say a lot, it's the non-denominational space for activists and um and world changers and the people that want to see us uh graduate from from this phase of using currency yeah and that's the basis Definitely. of future radio you know we have our intention from the very beginning was to unify all the change makers and to let the world know who's out there and what changes or change makers are out there so that they can yeah. you know take that responsibility you talked about amanda and say well oh i want to resonate with that one but they don't know that a lot of them are out there. So we have a really good time at Future Now Radio just interviewing amazing, incredible groups and organizations. And, uh, nice. you know, the choices are many, uh, but we it's our job to get it out and, and show people what those choices are. Awesome. Well, thank you well, for being on that on that train because it's yeah. definitely needed. <laughs> and I'll have to listen to some more of you guys' episodes as well. That's great. Likewise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your website's lovely, by the way. Your, your future yeah. now feed is just beautiful. Nice. Well, nice. Good. Thank you. Well, I'm on board. You've totally got me on board here. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, uh, I want to thank you all very much for being here. I want to say, I want to thank my co-host, Robert Schramm, and this is Future Now Radio. I'm Ananda Elise Reeves. You can find Future Now Radio at futurenowradio.com, and you can listen just uh Click the listen here and be able to hear this podcast. And so I just want to thank, thank you uh, all the listeners. And we talked with Amanda Smith, Matt Holton, and Zachary Marlowe, all co-founders, activists, hosts at the Moneyless Society, and might I even add, absolutely incredible leaders. So thank you again. Thanks, guys. That's great. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah was thanks very much. Yeah, it's always a treat to see you, Robert, and and, uh, and to meet you, Ananda. And yeah, again, let's let's do it again really soon. Yeah, yeah it's good. cool. It's like it's like going to a dinner party at a friend's house. You don't have to clean up. I don't have to do the edit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Oh, I know you're excited about that. I'm happy for you. <laughs> That's awesome. 